When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it, because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com, as well as the mobile app. Alongside John Schmelk, Jeff Fiegels, I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes as we're here to break down all that is happening with the New York football giants in multiple ways. You can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can't get to a phone, can't work a phone, not a problem. You can turn to social media, <laughs> hashtag Giants Chat. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of the show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So, Relatively busy day at Giants training camp today. We heard from both coordinators, all three coordinators, I should say, Thomas McGahee as well. And we heard from Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. So we'll delve into that, and then we'll obviously open up the conversation to our listeners and our tweeters as well. So, gentlemen, I want to start with a little good-natured back-and-forth between Wink Martindale and Bill Belichick, which I thought was quite funny, and yeah, I could hear by the chuckling that you guys picked up on that as well because clearly one of the biggest narratives coming out of the preseason game, and apparently Bill must have said something in passing. He didn't directly call out, though. I want to make this clear, the Giants defensive coordinator. It's just he wasn't necessarily expecting maybe them to blitz as much as they did, which did not come off as overwhelming to begin with, I would argue, in that game against the Patriots. So Wink was asked about it today, and he actually literally took a page out of Bill Belichick's playbook, Jeff, and he mm-hmm. said, we are on to the Bengals. Mm-hmm. So that is good job studying, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think that, yeah, he was... Wink is good enough to know that he's not going to get baited into to answering something like that. So it was a pretty swift comment by him, and he said it a couple of times. I was standing there. I was down here today, fortunately. Yeah, Jeff to showed to up it. to media availabilities today. Yeah, I was, I was there. Was like, yeah. really? Like, it was a special treat. <sighs> yeah, so I had nothing else to do, I guess. No, <laughs> but it was good to listen Did to those guys. Did they carve out a space for you by the podium so that nobody would bother you and the, actually, within ear distance of... It's actually Jeff. He, like he wasn't gonna like stand next to the podium like the rest of us, and you know he had to sit on a table. I did it, have to sit on a table. Which, by the way, was like Boeing in the middle. I don't know if you noticed and that. Then, Ru- then Russ, then Russ came and sat on it with me. Yeah, and then, and then like the whole thing was gonna go. I was down. like, Russ, what are you doing? Although Russ only weighs about thirty pounds, so it's just not- <laughs> <laughs> it was okay. No, so to answer your question, I sat on a table. Yeah. Carved out my own little area. There. He did, yes. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I believe you had the golf on on your phone while the press conference. No, was going I did on. not. You know? <laughs> I did not. I had well, it you on can afterwards. Multitask, Jeff. It's yeah. No, I can't, Lance. No, I no. cannot <laughs> multitask. Trust me, it's hard enough to just be in Jeff sometimes. So, um, but it's hard enough just being. <laughs> that's Jeff. what my wife tells me all the time. She's like, "It must be hard being." Oh, Jeff. Lance, there was no, there was. By the way, there was another great moment during the press conference today that I wasn't there for, but Dan Salomon told me about. So we have, you know, we have new interns every year, and apparently Michael Eisen, our you know uh, chief editor and and writer for the Giants website, he is a new intern. And she was chatting with Dan and Jeff, you know, during the press conference. And oh, at, some point she, at some point, she goes up to Jeff. She goes, by the way, I'm whatever, whatever. What, what department do what you department work in? What department are you in? <laughs> and then the best part, Salomo just goes, punting. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great. There's only one person in that in that department. I, yeah. It's great, though. It's a great department. We got good things going in there. So, Well, you could tell you're. 
NFL career oh, apparently ended too long ago, uh, Jeff, for these new line yeah. interns. Here I can't imagine what she yeah. probably oh, was. How old? How old? What do you think? 22 oh, something, John? 22? Yeah, 20? whatever. Yeah. I mean, I've been retired for 12 years, so she was 10. I don't think she knows who I am. <laughs> um, and then and I said and I said to her, I go, oh, yeah, I used to I used to play for the Giants. And she went, oh, you did? Oh, wow. That's wow. What did you do? I'm like, well, you didn't hear Dan. He's a punting. I was at my own department. And, and, and then... <laughs> And then she said, boy, you don't look like near good enough of an athlete to be no, an NFL shut up. No, <laughs> no, that was not said. That was made up by Schmelk. Yes, it was made up by Schmelk. No, Schmelk. she went, wow, standards really have heightened slightly <laughs> since uh, Jeff Eagle's playing days in terms of what they're looking for in terms of the makeup of the roster. Yeah. We'll, show, we'll show her some tape later. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, tape? Well, it you know be what, on Jeff, reel to reel. Yeah. Jeff, really what I would do is, see, I oh, would boy. now go to the Giants HR department, and you should request that. <laughs> new interns must study film of any <laughs> former player that is on staff and consistently yeah. at the facility. Can you imagine? you yeah. should never have to be insulted that nobody doesn't know who insulted. you are. I've been listen, well, I work with you guys. I was not insulted at all. I mean, you guys <laughs> insult me more than she does half the time, so I'm used to it. I believe the words do you know who I am did come out of your mouth. It did not come out of your mouth. <laughs> no, it did Can not. You imagine? Just, not. Wait a minute, you don't know who I am? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I'm sorry, mister. Who's your name? Yeah, exactly. So. I'm just glad that we now have a well documented punting department at the Giants facility. Well, you now a bit of a jury still we out do now, on yes. that one. Yeah. No, I just got done with a little meeting with the specialist. I was in the lunchroom and they were all, of course, they were on the specialist time frame where everybody else is in meetings and they're in the lunchroom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, this looks fun. This looks, I used to do this too. Let's, let's have a talk, guys. So. Oh, God. <laughs> well, on a more serious note, as we try to return back to planet Earth on this program here on Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, I did think what Wink Martindale was asked about Aaron Robinson's play in that opener was interesting because it was something that, Jeff, you and I talked about on the Giants Radio Network postgame show, and obviously John has talked about since here on BBKL, that you know his play was put under the microscope. That was that one series where you had multiple penalties and there were a few big catches made by Patriots wide receivers and it was a learning curve. And Targeted six times. Correct. Yep. Well, and that's a high volume, but that's a good high volume, I would argue. You want a guy like Aaron Robinson to get that type of work sure. before the season starts, but Wink was specifically asked about how do you sort of walk that fine line, John, of evaluating him in terms of what could be a teachable moment, meaning you liked his fundamentals versus maybe the refs putting the play under the microscope a little bit too much. And specifically, the one with the taunting, he had mentioned he didn't have a problem with the fundamentals on that play. Mm -hmm. It's just you have to understand the rules are the rules, and when you try to bend those rules and the officials are in the vicinity of you, they're not going to hesitate. They're going to throw a flag. But he pinpointed that play specifically on the taunting one where he thought he made a good defensive effort. It's just he got to be more disciplined after the play. Yeah, I thought Wing generally was, was pretty positive when he talked yeah, about how yes. Robinson plays. He He's basically said, look, the guys made some plays, but the coverage was fairly tight. There were some contested catches. And look, Wink knows that Aaron Robinson is going to be one of his defensive backs. So he's sure. he has to try to make sure the confidence doesn't go away. Because once yeah. you're a defensive back or a corner and you lose your confidence, it's a wrap. That's a and lot of positions. At, right. But cornerback on an island against these guys, I think it's even yeah. worse there. And, you know, field goal kickers is the worst of all of them, to of be quite honest. So yeah. you lose confidence. They're on an island anyways. Finished. Yeah. <laughs> They're always literally, on an island. Literally no on question. an island. Yeah. Yes. So. To me, Lance, I think you could tell that he was trying to keep Aaron Robinson, you know, strong. Like, look, he's a good player. He's been key. Actually, I actually believe he said he was. He's been either great or fantastic. I forget the yeah, word he used in had, camp. Been having a great yeah, strong really, camp, he said. Yeah, yeah. strong, strong camp. camp. Yeah. So he was very positive, despite the fact that he gave him some catches that he thought his his fundamentals were good on pretty much all those plays. But he just has to, you know, locate the ball and not let them catch the ball when the ball's in the air, which I think goes back to something they've been focusing on this week, not just for him but all the cornerbacks. When you're in that man-to-man -man coverage. Ball's in the air. You got it. Knowing the ball's in the air based on how the wide receiver's reacting, yep. get your head around and make a play on the football. And all of those guys, you know, they stress fundamentals because as soon as your fundamentals and your techniques break down, then your game breaks down. And I think yep. that's that's the important part of it. And I think that uh, to your point, John, is that you know he's a young player, so coming from a new coordinator, he's going to try to pump the guy up as much as he can and get his confidence up. He made a great play on that taunting. Not the taunting penalty, but the play, he made a great play. Right that. before and, that. Yeah. And I feel like those are just learning experiences that these young guys will have, and, and hopefully he'll learn from that and it won't happen again. And, and I, I think that's what he was saying. And I feel like where he's played the best, even during camp when he's made the plays he's made, he's good in the red zone because 
that's the area where there's not as much room to operate. Mm-hmm. He's a physical player. You can be a little bit more physical down there because sure. the five you know, room. you're within yep. five yards and all that stuff. So I think that plays to his strengths a little bit, yeah. at, at least in my opinion. Yeah, and, he, and he's a young guy, and he's going to keep learning, and that's that's the important thing. And that's why these practices and the preseason games are so good for these young guys and, and also good for the, for the organization and the coaching staff to evaluate these guys. Um, and I thought there was a lot of good things, and, you know, listeners can, can go into the – and go find those transcripts and, li- and and really read into some of these things that these guys are saying. And what I liked about Mike Kafka today, I don't know if you were going to go there, Lance, but one of the things that, that I took from what he said was the fact that how they implement certain situations for these players because they want to see how they react in certain situations, good and bad. And I think that's important. Well, and he was also reflecting on what it was like getting through the play calling from upstairs during the course of the preseason game. But to your point about throwing them into situations to sort of experiment with them, it was actually very similar. It's funny you brought up Kafka. Thomas McGahee, Jeff, said the same thing. Because remember, it was a rough game for coverage. You even brought that up immediately after game. And one of the things Thomas McGahee said was, right now we're just throwing these guys out there. We're trying to get an idea of what we have. And I feel like Kafka, maybe not to the same degree Jeff was pointing towards that, but was at least indicating this is the time before the season starts. Let's put guys maybe in places where they're uncomfortable. Let's put guys at places where we're thinking of utilizing them. And then we learn, okay, maybe this is not ideal. Special teams and offense somewhat mirror images, I think, in terms of the approach of where they're going with the personnel. Yep, and I and I think that you know every situation is different, both practice and in games. And I feel like if you can get some of those in the game, then the better off you are because you've now identified, okay, listen, we we put this play in there. We're going to want these guys to do this or that. Or you get into situations, which I tell you guys all the time, is that as a coaching staff, in, in some of these preseason games, you want to try to have that two-minute offense in, implemented somewhere in preseason, whether it's at the beginning of or the, the end of the first half or at the end of the game because you work on it all the time in practice, but you want it to come up in a game situation. And I think that they obviously they got that. Um, but that's a good a good time to really see how some of these guys can react to that type of pressure, having to go down and score without having penalties to, to delay the, the whole process, both offensively and defensively. Like, for example, one of the things Thomas McGahee brought up was Antonio Williams' tackle, one of the backup running backs, yeah. and how you know that yeah. was a, a standout play, and you want to see things like that because, A, it helps Antonio Williams' cause to try to make the roster, and, B, you get an idea of, okay, if he does make the roster, maybe we can utilize him within this facet of the team. The only thing, though, that I've been extremely disappointed, guys, that we are now on a gumbo drought in terms of Thomas McGahee. Did you notice that he has not mentioned that term at all when describing special teams? No. I didn't. I didn't know that. I'm just. I'm a little right, bit. Do you surprised. like gumbo? Is that why? No, you that's what he utilizes. <laughs> Jeff and John may want to weigh into this too. Oh, every time uh, Thomas McGahey, well. every week, was asked about special teams. Okay, <laughs> he has always used that term. It's like making the gumbo, and uh-huh. you get different ingredients every week. Wow. Some week it may be shrimp, mushrooms. <laughs> the personnel changes, but I'm surprised he has not utilized that terminology because I actually well. thought that was effective in laying out what he works with. On a weekly basis. Maybe he seems that he doesn't have to make gumbo this time. Uh, Maybe the ingredients well, uh, are a little bit more consistent. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Ask him about that come week one or week two, Jeff. Something tells me he's not going to be singing the same tune. No, you're, I think you'll hear the gumbo reference come, about, come yes. back. Honestly, i got to be honest. I feel like you know, you're making these... Um, uh, food metaphors and Datino's not on. I feel like we're really missing out on something. Well, the here. reason why I'm not bringing it up because Datino only relates to pasta. It doesn't relate to gumbo. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, for example, you can't bring that up in conversation with Datino. He'd be lost. Right. That's not right. his style of food. And I don't get to ans- ask questions in that whole media thing, but if I had to ask Thomas McGahee a couple questions, I would have asked him that where he feels um which you know kind of what position is battling for maybe the the special teams you know like the core four guys like who does he see at what position do you see that maybe some of these guys are going to come out of because you listen you lost Eli Penny you lost Crossan those are your two really core special teams guys from last year sure will it come from the running back position again uh will it come from the wide receiver position I don't know uh, or the defensive back so to me I think that it's probably I think the running back position has a really good chance of having some guys play some special teams because I think Williams is a good one um, Brightwell and Brightwell are both really good special teams guys so um and the other one that I asked 
actually asked McGahey off of the, you know, off the record or what it now is probably on. I'm going to tell you about it, but I was asking him about Colin, <laughs> Colin Johnson, because I, I, I don't, I didn't recognize a lot of him playing special teams a whole lot, but he said that he's a good one and he's, you know, he'll play all four of them. And obviously we all know the type of camp he's having. So the probability of him making the team is pretty good. So he's going to be a guy that you're going to have to watch and see on special teams too. All these guys are so critical. Well, at because, this point, it is because I think that, you know, if all of us sat down and was going to go over the roster, we probably would all be pretty close as far as we put it in together. It's just a matter of who those those core guys are going to be. And that's yeah. we talk about this every year. I know people get bored with it, but it's the reality of the situation is that that's what it comes down to. And it's not just the Giants. It's every team is looking at the same thing. Well, and this brings me to Saquon. I think there's a good transition. He also spoke to the media. I want to highlight a few things before we open things up. We're talking about the backup running backs, and the reason why you have to contribute on special teams is if Saquon is now over a year removed from the torn ACL and you figure his work usage will go up, they'll maybe utilize him more as a receiver than we've seen in previous years, the only way to get on the field if you're a backup running back is to contribute on special teams. And as far as Saquon is concerned, there were actually a lot of people that were asked about Saquon. Wink was even asked about Saquon and his health, where he thinks he is at this point. And Wink said, listen, I wasn't here the year removed from the torn ACL, so I don't have much to compare to. But Saquon specifically was asked about, John, his philosophy as a runner and whether or not the coaching staff is directing him to do things differently than Joe Judge or Pat Shermer, specifically in terms of trying to get downhill is the way that he described it. <laughs> He's been questioned about north-south, but he described it as downhill to be more decisive, hitting the hole, taking off, as opposed to a lot of people have brought up the term dancing. And we're not talking about he's doing the Macarena back there. We're talking about the fact that, you know, Macarena. maybe there's a little bit of hesitancy Chicken before dance. he hits the hole, goes a little bit more east-west as opposed to north-south. And it seems as if Saquon's, and this is my interpretation, he's definitely taking these questions to heart, John. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that's definitely true. And look, that's something that's been said about him since he got drafted, though, right? And we had those conversations here during the draft process, too. You know, how quickly he gets downhill. He's always trying to, you know break a big play and not just take a dirty three or four yards or so. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's just tired of hearing about it, to be honest with you. And um, I think we did see, a, a, maybe not a change, but I just think we just we did see him get downhill well in that preseason game. I asked him about it after the game. It was on the air. Everyone heard it. Um, and I, I was saying it in, in a positive way, you know. So uh, because I thought he did a really nice job. But he said, look, I haven't. He's basically said I ha he told me uh, post-game on Thursday he hasn't really changed his style and changed the way he's gone about things. But to me, I think, you know, Pat Shermer used to say that all the time when he was a head coach with, with, with Saquon as a rookie, right? He, he would always talk about, you know, trying to, you know, get, get those dirty yards. That was a phrase that I think we've heard many times uh, before. I think we heard that from Joe Judge, too, when he was the head coach, to be honest with you. So, you know, it's nothing new. I think he's just probably tired of hearing about it. And I think part of it, too, let's be honest— you know, was he dancing because the offensive line wasn't opening up any holes? I sure. was just going to say. Like, like that, I think there's a lot of reasons he that, was dancing. That, that's part of it, too. Mm -hmm. So is the offensive line now just doing a better job and he can read the blocking better so he can get downhill and upfield yeah. faster? Yeah. So I think that's part of it, too. Um, I think he's just – this is something that he's heard since coming out of school, and then he's probably just tired of hearing of it. Hear about it. I also believe that he's he's definitely being told to do this, and and it and it makes sense with the offensive line because you know I think that this is an improved offensive line. The other thing is is that I feel like he's I think the guy is so healthy right now that he's got a lot more power running downhill than he has in the last year. And I think the dancing around was just I, I I don't know sometimes when you're just not ready to put that foot in the ground with knee coming off a of knee surgery. I don't know. I just think it had to do something with that. But I I want to see him run downhill because that's where he can get some yardage and he can bounce some things out. And the big plays will come. Like, they will. That's the what I'm saying. Like, you know, you and by the way, if them. he's in that hole downhill and he has that vision and he's got those jump cuts and things like that, he can put his foot in the ground and go. It gives the defense less time to rally. 100%. Yeah. And so I'm looking or get for a good read plays. on him, too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I know I, I listen, I, I would probably be the same way if people kept asking me the question over and over and over. Um, but, you know, as a player, you have to answer the questions, at least you, to the most part you do. But, hey, if you don't want to be asked a question anymore, then stop doing it. Right. Run it downhill and, and prove people wrong. There you go. And then well, I guess uh, – go ahead, Lance. I'm sorry. No, no, go, go ahead if you wanted to continue with that. I mean, no, I no, gonna, no, no, no. Yeah. I was uh, – You were going to go in a different yeah, direction? I was going to go in okay. a different direction. Well, go no, ahead. the only thing I was going to add, you guys got me thinking in terms of your commentary, was A, I do think it had something to do with the offensive line. I also wonder, and I haven't heard Saquon ask this question, nor do I know if he you know, would be 
forthright in terms of his response. But I wonder, given the struggles, if sometimes he just felt like I got to do something above and beyond. Yeah. And you dance because you're waiting to get that big play as opposed to patiently taking the two-yard run which we saw him do as a rookie, right? He would take the two- to three-yard run and then all of a sudden break off a huge one. If you remember, guys, his first preseason game against Cleveland, remember he had that massive run? So he had that ability in the blink of an eye to take off. I just wonder then in the years that have followed offense, team struggles, he's just saying, listen, I got to put the cape on. I think quarterbacks get in this mindset too, where they just feel like they got to press the envelope, go for the home run in terms of not taking the single or the double. And maybe Saquon, that mindset got into his head too. And that's why he was extremely impatient with his decision-making as a runner. Yeah, look, I think all it goes into it. Uh, do you want to get into the Daniel Jones next sure. saga? Well, that's another one that I don't understand why there were even questions on that. Well, front, but, internet. Yeah. That's why it's because of the internet. Because yesterday, some dope on Twitter noticed that during a Daniel Jones interview, I think maybe it was a post-game, the post-game interview, I think maybe. Yeah, but uh, that was from a few days Patriots. ago, though. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're like, oh, look, he has a scar on his neck. Oh, boy. Oh, no, I did he have neck surgery? I hurt his neck last year. Plastic surgery. So, whatever, <laughs> and he was asked about it today, and he basically said this was not related to the injury, and given the location of the scar, which is kind of right in the middle of the neck, I'm no doctor, but based on the people that pretend they're doctors on Twitter, uh, they which seem... Which is a lot. That's a lot. That's a, yeah. More than there should be. Apparently, that is not an area where you would generally... <laughs> You know, if you, you go have, to school if, to be one of those. If, if you have way. like a spine issue, that's generally not where you're making the incision. But whatever, throw all that throw all that out. He basically said that there was an unrelated issue to the neck injury last year. It's non football related. He had it in the winter time, and everything is fine as we've seen since he hasn't really missed any time at all during the spring and summer. So um, that's it. I just once again, uh, it's amazing sometimes the things that people pick up on that have no impact on football. I mean, do you really, at the end of the day, do you really think the Giants would put him on the field if he wasn't no. cleared no, look, or I, ready to go? Look, I get it. If you find out that a guy who had a Nick injury last year had a procedure on his neck, you ask the question, but once you get the answer that it's unrelated and whatever, then you move on from it, right? Sure, and that's exactly what Daniel Jones did. He gave a quick answer, <laughs> and he moved on, as we are doing on this yes. program at 201 Four five one three hashtag Giants Chat. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have two percent cash back on purchases and zero percent interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June thirtieth, twenty twenty four. Let's open things up. We got UC and St. James joining us here on Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, UC? UC. Hey, fellas. Good afternoon. What's up? Hello. Good afternoon. What's on your mind? Yeah. So, uh, two quick questions and a bold prediction. Uh, mm-hmm. First question is about the wide receivers. Um, I would say that there's four guys that are locked to be on this roster. You got KG, Tony, Wandell, Shepard. Those guys are going to make it. Well, you know what, though? Uh, Shepard, you see, he's probably not going to take up a roster spot because he's on PUP, and they'll probably just leave him on that to start the year. So, in terms of roster spots, you're probably, of the four you guys mentioned, only three probably count in that mix. Oh, interesting. So so I was going to say that this next group of, you know, Richie James, Colin Johnson, Darius Slayton, C.J. Board, you know, they're, they won't all make the roster, but, you know, to me it seems that Richie James and Colin Johnson have had somewhat of a good camp, you know, made some nice plays in the preseason game. And Darius Slayton, you know, he only intrigues me because he's had that connection with Daniel in the past. And he has proven to be a solid player, yet it's been quite a while. And with C.J. Board, it just seems that he's always been our guy for special teams. So, you know, now that you're, you're mentioning that Shepard wouldn't take a roster spot, maybe maybe three of these guys would make it. I'm most confident in Richie James. So, you know, what, what do you guys think in terms of these guys that end up making the 53? I tell you, I've already mentioned his name once. I think Colin Johnson has a great chance to make this team. I think he's done everything he can. And by the way, this organization, this coaching staff has told you that to get, and this is usually the way it goes anyways, the best guys play, right? So, and I think Colin Johnson has shown that he's played pretty well uh, up against a lot of these other guys that are trying to make the team. I will interrupt you real quick, Jeff, for Mm -hmm. me, and then you can continue. Colin Johnson's on this roster. Unless yeah, something, like like yeah. I'm talking injury-wise, sure. happens to you down the start yeah. of the year, I feel very confident that Colin Johnson's yep. going to be The thing on. about Richie James is that we know that he can play special teams in a returning standpoint, but do we know that he can play as a core four guy that can go and play some of those other 
parts of the, the special team that you need. So that, that's kind of a question in my mind. Whether it's true or not, I don't know, but that's just my opinion. I think Wondell Robinson is kind of one of these, these guys where I, I, I just cannot wait to see him play um, in the regular season. I think he's going to be dynamic, and I think he's a tough dude. Um, and I think that, you know, knock on wood, if he can stay healthy. and Because that, that overall, when you think about this, guys, that position needs to stay healthy. They really does because that is that's kind of the caveat when you start getting into depth because a lot of the back end of your roster it begins with some of the wide receivers right in special teams and if those guys start getting hurt then these guys start moving up to the to the top and then what happens is your special teams your depth on special teams starts to get depleted because some of those core special teams guys are now going into the starting positions or even maybe just, you know, if you're the top three or four guys, you're not going to play a lot of the special teams. So that's why a lot of these positions have to stay healthy so it doesn't affect your special teams core. It's possible. They could very well keep seven wide receivers. Ooh, I don't boy. think that's crazy. That's a lot. Well, I mean, if Shepard once again starts on pop, and if you do look at CJ Board as a special teamer, Richie James as a special teamer, are you, you counting Shepard in the seven? Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not. Keep, oh, I'm ooh, not okay. keeping him in the seven. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming Shepard. I'm going with your hypothetical. Okay. Which you. is Shepard starts the season on pop, which we don't know at this point, but let's operate considering he has yet to practice. It's possible maybe they keep seven. Remember, they don't have a conventional fullback on the roster, guys. Right now, we don't know how many tight ends they'll choose to keep especially since there's injuries at that position. Maybe they feel in the early stages of the season you keep an extra wide receiver as a result and you put four wide receivers on the field more often than not. Yeah. I'm not ruling that out at least. Now, remember, the practice squad rules allow players who are vested veterans, a few of them, to be on the practice squad. So it's possible because all of these guys have been in the league for quite mm -hmm. some time. Robert they Foster. could end up – correct. Yeah. Some of those guys could end up, they're eligible to go on the practice squad, but first they also have to get through waivers. And I think some of them could very well be claimed, especially since I look at a couple of other teams out there, they could use some depth or even starting potential at the wide receivers. Yeah, spot. look, for me, I look at the two guys that have some NFL experience and NFL production, Richie James and Slayton, right? Those would be the two guys that other teams would probably be interested in because they've seen them do it at the NFL level. Mm -hmm. It's you possible know, Colin Johnson, too, yeah, I think, could yeah, be claimed. Right, I, I think that's true, but I think the Giants probably have him higher in their priority list based on what I said before. So, remember, would you consider maybe moving one of those veteran wide receivers for a veteran player to a different position where maybe you have some injuries? like an offensive lineman or a yes, defensive good back. Point. Yeah. Yeah. I actually think, and you we've know, seen that by the way, when they, they the excess, remember they traded Brett Jones when they had excess centers. And I forget who they traded him for that year, but they well, traded they trade him to somebody. Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. That's what it was, yeah. yeah. Was, um, was it a draft pick or a player? They got, I back? think it was a draft pick. It was John. just a pick. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to look pick. it up. I got you. As a, and then last year, then I believe they also, uh, who they trade for the center from Cincinnati. Was that a draft pick or was that a player? Think that Billy Price also, was that a draft pick? I think that involved a draft pick yeah, too. Yeah, I think it did too. Anyway, so but I Jones, think real can, quick, I have yes. it. Jones was traded to the Vikings for a 2019 seventh round pick. Okay, and then I will look up the Billy. The Price point I'm trade making is that you well. can you can take a player from a position of strength and maybe move it for a player at a position where you maybe need a little bit of help. Is my point. Yeah, and I, I look at Darius Slayton and Colin Johnson. When I look at the two of them, they're big receivers. Colin Johnson's obviously a little bit taller. Much bigger, yes. But remember this. You know, Darius Slayton has been, you know, it's kind of been very inconsistent. And they've talked about his cap hit. I mean, so, I mean, remember, going into the season, the Giants are going to need some money. And just because, remember what Dave Gettleman always said about having some money there and they haven't been able to for, for things like that? You never know. Good point. You know, so I think that it, as much as Darius Slayton has come on in the last week or so, sometimes that money bug gets you. And that's just the reality of being an NFL player um, when you start making a little bit of money, you know, and things can happen that way. Not to say Darius Slayton is not a good football player. And by the way, oh, I agree and, with you. And, and if he point. got cut, he would be or, or how about yeah. this? Let's yeah. just let's not cut him. Let's just let's get a seventh round pick for him. Let's right. get a sixth round pick for him. Sure. Something. You know, rather than just let him go down, you know, and get nothing for him. So, well, and there's a team, Jeff, that doesn't have nearly as much depth or options sure. as the Giants. Yep. And Slayton on another team, he could be a top yep. three wide receiver yep. potentially. And just remember, the overall aspect of this team is building right now, right? So there's, there's a lot of things that are happening, and uh, you know, if you read some of the articles and things about Joe Shane and the way he's talking about the team and how he's trying to build it, there's a lot of possibilities that sometimes this can happen. And it's probably rather going to happen now more than later. So there'll be some movement when that 
cut date comes down and there's going to be some things happening. you have anything else you see? Yeah, uh, one quick question before my bowl prediction. I was going to say, uh, during the preseason game, you know, Darren Beavers seemed to be have, making, you know, quite a few plays, made a solid impression. I like how he plays. And even Micah McFadden made a nice player, too. And, you know, I'm not the biggest Tate Crowder fan, but I feel like he's going to be our linebacker next to Blake out there. But do you guys think, you know, if Be- would Beavers or McFadden or maybe even Carter Coughlin, uh, you know, get playing time over Tate Crowder, or are they strictly special teams guys right now? Well, we'll answer that, but why don't you give yes. your bold prediction so this way we could, you know, just move on real quick. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, my bold prediction is that for the 2022 season, Kayvon Thibodeau will have the most sacks in the NFC East this year, which will earn him Rookie of the Year. And how many will that be, you think? Not that we're going to hold you to your bold prediction, but that's a pretty bold prediction. I'd just like to give an idea what the number would be. I'll just say uh, I'll say 13. Okay. I'd like to see that. Thank you, see. That's bold. I like it. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah. Well, Micah Parsons had quite the season for – his yeah. rookie year, hey. he actually had 13 sacks. NFC East is tough, man. You got Micah Parsons, Chase got Young Washington. back, Montez yeah. Sweat. Mm. The Eagles have that, you know, just endless amounts of rushers they throw at the quarterback. But, you know, hey. not impossible. That's, given, that's why they're called bold. And given the system the Giants play with all the extra rushers, you might get a lot of one-on-ones. Mm-hmm. Sure, why not? Yep. I also like, um, and we can, we can answer the question that he had, but Wink's also answer about when somebody asked him about his, you know, two – four or five alignment how the answer was that you know a lot of these teams are lining up their base personnel has four wide receivers and again that's technically then you're counting your edge rushers at outside linebackers there's really four two five there are different <laughs> ways to have that yeah. conversation. so i think that's just one way of sugarcoating that i'm going to do what i want to do <laughs> we're not going to have which he pretty much has proven yeah. to do yeah. over the course of his career we don't have so. a base defense <laughs> yeah i don't think that's a start it changes every week correct Billy Price, by the way, was uh, traded for B.J. Hill. That oh, the, that, that, uh, that's what I was oh, thinking. It was B.J. Hill. I knew, he, I knew yeah. there was a player-for-player player trade in there somewhere. And like. then he Thank went you. back, right? B.J. Hill back went back. Didn't he go back to Cincinnati? Well, we well no, he was traded to Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Oh, no, that's on. what it was. Yeah. He went to yeah. Cincinnati. Yeah. Okay, well, hello. Yeah, but, he uh, went yeah. to Cincinnati yeah. for Billy Price. Okay, that's right. He's on to Cincinnati, and he's staying in Oh, Cincinnati. he's staying yeah. there, yeah. yeah. And where did Billy Price? Okay. Did B.J. Hill sign a contract extension this offseason? I'm trying to remember. I'll look it up. Go ahead, Lance. Go to the next caller. Well, no, real quickly, in terms of the linebacker question. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. To, Sorry. Thank you. Well, first he brought up Micah McFadden and Darian Beavers, and I thought both of them did show some nice flashes during the preseason game. Remember, McFadden, and I was talking about this during the offseason, Indiana used him as a blitzer. Yep. So he's an intriguing player because if Wink is going to move personnel around and he's going to get linebackers maybe even involved in that game. McFadden has the familiarity with that concept. So I'm not saying he's going to be an every-down linebacker or who knows how many snaps he's going to get, but I wouldn't be surprised if McFadden comes in in blitzing situations because he believes he has a knack for getting after the quarterback. So I would say those observations are very accurate in terms of what we took out of the preseason game. And Crowder, guys, has been, I think, a player that has capitalized the most based on the injuries at the position last year Mm -hmm. as well as the fact that, let's face it, it's a young core. He has more experience than the rest of the group at this stage. Yeah, and he's yeah. gotten a lot of experience. Yeah, I still think that's a wide-open spot. I think it's I do too. Beavers or Crowder, and I think that could be a spot, too, where they're looking at waiver claims, too, at you know after you cut down on August 30th. Yeah, there's, there's not a lot, be a lot of, of experience behind any of those linebackers. When you think Crowder is still young, right? And I, mean, I think Martinez... the other thing, Lance, too, I just don't think maybe you're going to see those two linebackers on the field a lot together. Sure. I think you're going to see maybe some three safeties, but again, who's the third safety, right? You know, Dane Belton's out. So who's your third safety then? Do you trust another safety to be on the field with Love and McKinney? So there's a lot. Andrew there, there, Adams, yes. I would say, maybe. given his experience. Sure. Maybe. Well, 100%. Yeah. I think that would probably be the next guy you would talk about given how much he's played. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're still trying to figure a lot of that stuff. And Beavers could be a guy, too, that he toys with. Remember, Beavers, I'm not saying he's a safety, but Beavers played defensive end, linebacker. He was like a Dane Belton-esque player in college where they experimented, they moved him around. Maybe Wink all of a sudden comes up with a position just for Beavers in situational yeah. football. I mean, he's big enough to be an edge guy. He's 255, so yep. if you want to play him a little bit on the edge, you could probably do that. Let's head back to the lines. We check in with Corey in Phoenix. Corey, welcome to the program. What do you got? Hey, how are you guys doing today? We're good, We're Corey. Right. What's on your mind? Got some bold predictions. I wanted to hash out for the season. First one I don't consider to be as bold just because 
I mean, I know it's going to be considered bull because of our record last year, but we do share the division with three terrible franchises that have a 0.0% chance at ever winning another Super Bowl, and we play the NFC. You realize the Eagles won the Super Bowl like three years ago, right, Corey? I mean, you might want to take down the level on that a little bit. Just saying. But I do not, like it. <laughs> I do like it. Not but, to mention all those other teams have also won a division title in recent history, yeah, too. So, the Giants, yeah. 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 But um, my first one is more than 12 wins, NFC East champions. And uh, second wait, 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 one. Wait, hold on, hold on. You said the first one isn't that bold, and you're saying 12 or more wins? And, win, and 12 more wins and winning the NFC Well, I mean, if you win in 12 well, games, win, you're, that's a, that's you're a go. better that's, win yeah. the NFC East. Boy, I'm, I, yeah. hold on. i got to fasten my seatbelt for the next yeah. one. You said <laughs> the first one was bold. <laughs> go ahead, Corey. What's number two? All right, number two, five all pros. I'm going to name them. All pros or pro bowls? All pros, you said. Yeah. Xavier Kinney, Azizo Delari, Kayvon Thibodeau in year one as well. Okay, hold on. I got I got, I got, got McKinney, Ojolari, Thibodeau, and who are the other two? Neal and Thomas, both tackles. Ooh, Evan Neal, rookie offensive tackle, all pro. All right, that's bold. That's hard. I was really high. It's also hard to get five guys on one team I bet you don't get one on there. Yeah, and the, I think the biggest of is that Leonard Williams wasn't one of the five. Yeah, He's probably yeah. the best player on the roster. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. What's number three? Number three is double-digit interceptions from McKinney and double-digit sacks from both Kayvon and Aziz. So you basically think the Giants have the best defense in the league is basically what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. And going to break every record in Which, the process. Again, I like. <laughs> I hope that happens. Yeah, Those well, they certainly all bold. fall under the bold label. There's yeah. no doubt about that. So you that. said sacks for Thibodeau and Ojolari will be double digits? Yep. Okay. And then Mc- a lot of McKinney double-digit interceptions. How do you get an acronym for bold? I don't really knew what to expect from that team, and they ran the table on the league. I think Kayvon can have that year one Nick Bosa kind of impact. We can go to the Super Bowl, so... Corey, you are aware that when Wink was the Ravens defensive coordinator, not one player ever had double-digit sacks. I'm just letting you know of a factual statistic, just in case you're interested. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but what you're calling for, it's not just Giants record-breaking, it's Wink record-breaking, okay? (laughs) And he had Matt Judon, who never reached double-digit sacks in his defense. So that is quite the statement. Three bold statements, no yeah. doubt about Thank that, you, with Corey. a few exclamation points. Yes, appreciate well, well, the phone Okay, call. I got a question for you guys. Which one of those three is the most bold for you? Is it the 12-plus wins, the five all-pros, or the double-digit interceptions from McKinney and sacks for Thibodeau and Ojolari? Second one. I think the five all-pros. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, if, if you made those pro bowls, then maybe you might have a chance for a couple of those. But That's remember, difficult to do even with the pro bowl. Yeah, I mean, but, 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 but it is. The voting. At least it's feasible. It's feasible, but all-pros won. Right? I mean, asking Evan Neal as a rookie to be an all-pro offensive, I, I mean, I mean, I don't even think Tristan Wirfs did that two years ago, did he? Was I'm he maybe up second the team, team all-pro Lance Wirfs? That would be the Tristan only guy. Tristan Wirfs did make it. He was okay. the right tackle yep. So yep. He, he would be for the, the all-pro team. He would be the only guy in recent memory that I would think. What about the guy from Indy, uh, from Notre Dame? Um, Quentin Nelson, Nelson he's a guard. About? He's a guard. Oh, guard, yeah. okay. Yeah. But did yeah. he make all-pro, though? I mean, Probably. I, yeah. I, but I still, regardless, up. it's still very I difficult. I think 2018. When was the last time a team had five all-pro Well, that's why that was the first thing that jumped into my head, That's a tough one. Does that happen? I, did Kansas City, the Chiefs in recent history? Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking of a team that's electric. I mean, I, that, you, might, you might have to go back to like the early 90s when like maybe Dallas did it when they won those three Super Bowls. Well, let's see. 2000, I'm looking at the 2018 All-Pro team. To answer your question, Jeff, Nelson was the left guard that year. Yep. Okay. So, okay, so that's one thing. And the reason I brought up Kansas City is, let's see, that year, just to give you an idea, you had Mahomes, you had Tyreek Hill, you had Travis Kelsey, you had Mitchell Schwartz at tackle, and uh, that's it. <laughs> that was close. Well, I mean, four. listen, four is a lot for good. one team. Yeah, yeah, 20, 2017, the Cowboys had Ezekiel Elliott, Tyron Smith, Travis Frederick, Zach Martin, and Sean Lee. All right, there we go. And those okay. all pro or pro bowl? All, first team all pro. Okay, wow. All right, well, there you go. That would be. Was that the year they won? They won thirteen and three. Dallas was that Prescott's rookie year? 
I think so, yeah. yeah what year? You right. said 2016? First, 2017, I think. No, right 2017 first? was Dak's second year. Dak's second 16 year. 16 okay. was his there first was year. It was the most first team yeah. AP All Pro since 1969. Well, there you go. Wow. Okay, so there you go. Yeah. So, so now. The second time since 1969 <laughs> to Team Head Pieball. So okay, we waited all is, those yeah. years from 1969, and now all of a sudden it's going to happen like twice in the span of five or six years. Pearson, that's a very good yeah. find. Excellent job over there. Very good. Um, yeah, about time, Pierce. Yeah. yeah, so I would say, I, I would say, wow, <laughs> look at Jeff with Jeff's this. Taking shots. I, mean, I, I would, I would say, I mean, five. Look what we bring to the table. Pearson can step up <laughs> once back, in a go while. Go back to the yeah. punting department. Right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would say five uh, all pros would probably be the most bold of those three. Wow. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, they're all up there. I would put that number one. I would say the double digit sacks and the interceptions number two. Yeah, and then even though twelve wins is certainly out there, but. Listen, the, the NFC East, East is, is crazy. crazy. <laughs> Correct. No, you <laughs> took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's a revolving door. You win some close games sure. that maybe some people didn't expect you to win. It could happen. It could happen because Correct. you know the way that the NFC East yeah. a new winner Correct. every year, and that would put the Giants winning 12 games. Know, They're winning. Jeff, you, Prescott you, gets hurt. Wentz gets hurt. Yeah. Anything right. can happen, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, listen, a new team wins, but that doesn't mean a new team with 12 wins is going to win. Yeah, I'm guessing that maybe that's no, how they do it. Um that would be in. Well, listen. So my sure. guess would be probably that's, the that's number of times that. twelve games has won the NFC in the last fifteen years. NFC East has probably only been like two or three times. Well, in well, twenty sixteen, oh, remember yep. the Giants won eleven games and the Cowboys won the division. Yep. So there's an example. Yeah. So, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it's, I think the Cowboys it, were thirteen and three the year we beat them in the playoffs in 07. Yep, they, are, they might have even been were they four? I, I think no, they were the Packers were fourteen and two. Okay, Dallas was thirteen the, and three. Yeah, I think that's that right, sounds right. That's because the Packers had the home field advantage, right? I believe that the, they were going correct. to there. No, Cowboys no, were Cowboys thirteen. No, the Cowboys three. were more than pa- so. no. The Cowboys Packers and the Cowboys yeah. were thirteen. They were both thirteen and three. Thank you. Okay, yeah. I remember Dallas was the one seed that year, and the Giants were the sixth seed, and that's why they. They they played him in round in, yeah. uh, in the second round. So and we know what happened. Two, there. Yes, two zero one nine three nine four five one three is the telephone number. If you want us to go back into the archives for nineteen seventy five season, <laughs> tell you the standings, how many all pros, feel free to give us a ring. You could also use hashtag Giants Chat. We have the archives fully open. Oh, the Tino's online one. Program. I will really look forward. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I, I, I look forward to being in January and going through those bold predictions and getting to Corey's uh, stick it note. That's that. That's on the wall. I, Keep them coming, though. I like oh, them. They're, I love they're, the bold predictions. They're, they're, they're really good. So. Go ahead, Lance. I'm sorry. They always provide some laughs. Yes, so I was going to say, look at last year's bold predictions. Mm. Oh, yeah. A lot of them. Oh, yeah. Not good. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. We're out there, too. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Not good. That's one way to describe them. Okay. Not good. John is in Cape Cod. He joins us now on Uh, BBKL. What's happening, John? Johnny. Good afternoon, guys. I'm on speaker, so if you're getting feedback, let me know. No, it sounds okay. Yeah, right now we hear you loud and clear. So you're paying your phone bill. Congratulations. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm working from one show behind because of this problem with the live on on my app. So some of my questions are day-day. Well, John, remember, John, you can listen live. Just go on your phone, go to Giants.com, and you can listen on your phone on Giants.com, even if you can't get it on the app. Okay, I'll, I'll try that. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I, 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 is, is Paul on tomorrow? Uh, yes, he and Lance will be on tomorrow, correct. Okay, good, because I love testing his Giants knowledge of history <laughs> oh so does lance lance well, I was loves say, when people call up about like no. 70s giants questions for paul it's like i was gonna say that makes one of us yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad you uh, established that and by the way john spoiler alert everyone survived yesterday's program since you missed it since the majority of us are still here i just yeah. wanted to make sure that you're aware but go ahead yes right. please yes no i i wish i listened to yesterday's program earlier today oh uh, good i got so you caught up this one I yes. got through in this one just by finding out what time you were on and dialing the number to get in. Oh, and John, by the to... way, John, really quick, I just want to remind fans that we will be on 2 o'clock again tomorrow, but then starting next week and the week after, we're going to be live at 3 o'clock because yeah. of the practice schedule. That's, these practices are going to move to like midday later in the day, so uh, we don't want to go on during practice or media veils or before. So starting next week, 
for the following two weeks after that will be at 3 o'clock, and then we'll set our schedule for the regular season based on what the regular season practice schedule is going to be. Go ahead, John. Got it. Thank you. Yep. I, I, just want, I just want to mention one guy regarding the Giants' ring of honor, and if he's already on there and I missed him, I'll apologize in advance. But I also think that it's a travesty that this guy isn't in the Hall of Fame, and that's John Elliott. Jumbo? Yeah. Yeah, Jumbo is not in the Ring of Honor. He's not yeah. in, the, in the Hall of Fame. Either. I don't think so. At least. I, I will double check that. No, I'm I've like never 99% seen his name. sure he's yeah, not. Yeah, no, I, I've never seen his name in there. No, he is not. Yeah. Because yeah. mm-hmm. unless I'm wrong, he also holds a giant record for touchdowns by a tackle relative. Oh, well, that well, definitely puts him in the Ring of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I tell you, no. we're really throwing out the obscure facts. Well, well, by the way. <laughs> Did you know that Jeff Fegels holds the Giants record for most incomplete passes by a punter? <laughs> yeah. He's honored to hold that record, I also by hold the way. Right. I'm yeah. 0-1 on field goals, yeah. too. I That's why he's working with Jamie Gillen to make more accurate passes, because yeah. Jeff wants to hold on to that record. Yep. Yeah, listen, I have no, I have no Thanks, complaints Sean. about... I have no complaints about Jeff punning, believe me. Good. Well, that's, as long as we're on the same page there, good. Okay. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I am not I'm not a very good thrower in games. I can throw in practice now. Here's the thing. Jumbo Elliott made one Pro Bowl in 1993. He was only on – remember, he wasn't on the 86 team, so only his one Super Bowl ring, not two, and he's only made one Pro Bowl. So, But he, so did, under, but, but, but he did start I, for the Giants for eight seasons. So I, 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 I understand your point. And With respect played, to the Giants' he, ring of honor, I don't know about yeah. Hall of Fame status. I mean, yeah, well, absolutely not. Let me tell you the, the case for Hall of Fame as far as I'm concerned. And I love Tony Baselli from the time he was a rookie, believe me. But if you look, Tony Baselli played seven years. Because he got hurt. Jumbo Elliott, Jumbo Elliott started 14 Seasons yeah, that's great. But he was. But, but you have to understand, John. Listen, I get your point. Yeah. But in the small period of time that Tony Baselli played, he was a five-time Pro Bowler. He was a three-first-team All-Pro. He was the very first Jaguars pick. They achieved instantaneous success, essentially, thanks in AFC part to him. Championship game. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you're 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 no, not no. looking. You can't look yeah. at years. You got to look at what you did. Context. No, I, yeah, no, you want I'm dominance. Not. You want dominance. Yeah. Not not yeah, a compiler. Not. Correct. Terrell Davis I'm made not. the Hall of yeah. Fame too. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, I got to well, have a good I'm, debate I'm, about that one. Okay, but it's a yeah, similar, I, I, at least. Yes, very similar. Correct. Yeah. Like I under, like I said, I'm not, I'm not demeaning Tony Baselli because I saw him as a rookie and he was like a, a man among boys. He, he just annihilated Jason Taylor in the first game they played against Miami, and I said this guy's the real deal. But if you look at Jumbo Elliott over his career, Parcells drafted him to handle guys like Reggie White. And Bruce Smith. Sure. And he sealed up that left side for eight seasons for the Giants and then I think six more for the Jets and made, like I said, all those tackle eligible touchdowns. He was just a solid, solid player. I don't know how many games he missed, but it, I tell you, it wasn't very many. Uh, I, I just have some real problems overall with Hall of Fame because. Otis Anderson should be in the Hall of Fame, and the fact that he isn't is a travesty. No, look, I, it, I, I think you have a much better argument for Otis than you do for Jumbo. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Uh, and 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 it's thank goodness they started this legacy thing a couple of years ago, or Harry Carson wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I have a real problem with with the whole voting procedure. Uh, if it were up to me, if it were up to me. Uh, no offense to Paul or anybody else. It wouldn't be sports writers doing the voting. It would be Hall of Fame play, players that are already in there. See, John, here's the problem. The I've seen players vote for things before. Pro Bowl. And, 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 and <laughs> I, I'm going to try to be nice here because we have a player on the panel here. <laughs> Okay. It's a disaster. disaster. (laughs) And by the way, I will agree with you. It's a disaster. And it shouldn't be players. All these guys will do will vote for their friends. That's all they're going to do. I think you need to, and John, appreciate the phone call. I think if you had a variety of voices on a panel together, I would certainly welcome that. I think you could have a little bit of player, a little bit of media, a little bit of former coaches. Sure, I'm okay with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And by the way, there are former coaches and players on the panel. Well, but the problem is, the problem I have with the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and listen, 
I mean, you could argue one of our co-hosts belongs in the conversation for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, so that should tell you all you want to know. But the bottom line is only one person can present each player, okay? And that person has to be from the market in which they represent. So, for example, if you want to go to bat for a giant, you have to be the media member that represents the giants for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Meaning somebody, John, that is from Philadelphia that may have followed somebody can't go to bat for them. So it's limited from that degree. I'm with him. By the way, I'm sorry. I I was thinking about the 100 greatest players of all time. That's when you had players and coaches on the panel for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think— You're correct. Yeah, it's just writers. Mm -hmm. And that's why if you had maybe a former teammate could go to bat for somebody and explain why he warrants Hall of Fame consideration a coach. All of those things, I think, would add a little bit more value and substance to the conversation. Looks like Joe Klecko is going to get in this year. He's a finalist now, yeah. right? So yeah. I think, and, I, and on that senior ballot, for the most part, I think once you make it to as a finalist, I think it's pretty much your 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 end. You know, I, I want to throw one name out there, and it's funny. I had a good conversation with uh, Mike Sando, who uh, who does the national writer for the Athletic. Uh, that's going to go up on the John Sando podcast next week. And he created Lance because you know how the NFL, the the style of play and everything has changed so much over the years. You know, he basically created a chart for how to judge wide receiver production based on era. So he looked at it and he basically said, all right, well, where does this guy rank percentage-wise, you know, percentile-wise in their individual seasons in terms of where they ranked in, like, receiving yards in the league? And he went through it and he looked up, like, the guys that had, I think he looked at their top six or seven years that they had and saw, looked at, like, what percentile they were in in terms of like were they second in receiving yards third in receiving yards etc cetera, etc cetera. you know who a guy that finished in the top 20 that no one ever talks about i, I heard it oh so yeah you I heard it yeah, yeah so i'm not gonna ask you so well you know what do this one so so actually well where was jerry rice remember i remember jerry rice was number one was number one so and, so there yep. was some validity to his to, to his yeah, programming and, and, here a little bit and don hudson i think was number two okay yeah i, I believe yeah, so okay the way it lined up, right. like you look at the top ten, they're all legitimate holes. I famous. don't think anybody's going to get this player. No, I don't think they are either. Uh, I'll give you a little hint, Lance. Um, NFC East player from the late '80s, early '90s. Can you think of who I'm talking about? Not a Hall of Famer, but he ended up ranking in the top twenty in this little statistical breakdown that Mike Sando had. So we're talking about what an eagle, a cowboy, a giant, or a cardinal, essentially. Oh, uh, Washington too. Oh, Washington, Washington. that's right too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Not a Hall of Famer? Not a Hall of Famer. Boy, he, I mean, he, a... He's four Pro Bowls, one All-Pro. And but he had very consistent. Five 1,000-yard seasons, yeah. 65 career touchdowns, 10,800 receiving yards in his career. He has a Super Bowl, too. Actually, two Super Bowls, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Jeff? He was on both those teams, right? Two yes. Super Bowls. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm drawing blanks. All right, we'll I give you. We'll give you the team. You well, How about we give you the team? Well, I, well, Lance should be able to figure the team out because okay. only one team won two Super Bowls between '87 and '91. Oh, that you can go there th- too. That's that's not the Giants. <laughs> yeah, Washington. He played for Washington, Washington of course. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Washington wide receiver that's not a Hall of Famer. Ah. Uh, Nah, I mean, once again, drawing blanks. Yep. So no, I mean, we could be good. here all day. Yeah, absolutely. Hard. It's hard. So Art yeah. Monk is one guy on those teams that's in. Okay. He's in. Yeah. His teammate Gary. Well, that's why I was thinking of Hall yep. of Famer, guys. His I mean... teammate Gary Clark. Okay. 699 career receptions, 10,800 receiving yards, 65 touchdowns. And again, he finished in like 18th, 19th, maybe 22nd or something like that in those receiver rankings that Sando had. And nearly everyone ahead of him. Had. Was a Hall of Famer, yeah, and he wasn't. The other guy that was in that mix too was Henry Ellard from the Rams, who was also from that similar era, and he was also a guy that was in the very high percentile of those groups. That if you just again, if you look at based on the on the statistical method that Mike used, he's another guy that could have been the Hall of Fame. And Ellard had seven one thousand yard seasons, thirteen thousand seven hundred career receiving yards. Uh, where's his receptions? 814 catches and 65 touchdowns. So those are two guys I think maybe might at some point have to get some consideration. Even 65 though they have 65 touchdowns. It's mm-hmm. a lot. It's a lot well, of touchdowns. Seven 1,000 
yard season. Well, that's funny. Both during Clark an error where they 65, ran the football yeah. too. Well, and, and and that's why he used that method, right, Lance? So those numbers, while maybe compared to what the guys are doing today, it's not you know yeah. out of this world. But compared to their um, contemporaries, yeah. it was very impressive. It wasn't throw the ball over the field back then, you know. No, so. of course not. Exactly. Your style of play has to be taken into consideration. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think if you asked a lot of players that played with him and against him, they probably could do him justice in yeah. terms of explaining the or impact. James That's Lofton why former next. players. Yeah, and Lofton's in, obviously. Right. Yeah, yeah, Lofton's in, yeah. And Lofton yeah. was with a variety of teams. Yeah. yeah. Course. He was Oakland. a teammate of mine. Yeah. O- Oakland, yeah. L.A., Green Buffalo. Bay, right? Where was he with you? Was he was a teammate yeah, Green of mine. Bay. You're right, Lance. In, Green Bay, yeah. for sure. Uh, was it Philly? Philly? I don't know. You're the one that brought it up. <laughs> don't ask no. me. No, he was. Yeah, James Lofton. You know, we walked no, by no, each no, other. No, 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 no. I know this. I know this. <laughs> yeah, uh, Green Bay, Oakland, and Buffalo. No, he didn't play with you. What the hell are you talking about? Green Bay, Oakland. That's you were not teammates with James Lofton. <laughs> <laughs> wait, what years were you in Philly, Jeff? No, wait, I, he, he was on he a roster He wasn't with me. in Philly. No, oh, he wait. was. Oh, 1993, he was in Philly. He played two he games in Philly, in Philly in 93. That's so it. I asked the question, yeah. was he a teammate of Jeff Fiegel's? Yes, he was. <laughs> yes, for Thank half you. a season. That's what, yeah. I see it down there. No, but his pro <laughs> football on, reference. I'm not crazy pills, No, but his yeah. pro football reference as 1993 <laughs> yeah. just listed as two teams for him, and then the, below it they have like the faded names. So, yeah, there's that. That's why, actually, I know Wiki is not accurate with everything, but Wiki does a much more detailed synopsis of if the guy signed with a team for a day, oh, okay. they'll at least like give that. you some notation to that. So see, I told you, you had a cup of coffee with Jeff Eagles in half the Philadelphia cup. cafeteria. Maybe a half a cup. Half a even cup. Full okay. cup. <laughs> but I do remember the nicest man in the world. Great guy. Um, run into him a couple times at the stadium when he's been doing, I think it's Westwood one. Is that yep, where he does Westwood right? one? Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. So um, been able to say hi to him and I was his teammate. Of course, he knows who I am. And Henry right? Ellard, by the way, one Pro Bowl and seven. I'm um, one All Pro, seven Pro Bowls. Yeah, so wow. he played a long time too. He played in, um, uh, let's see, thirteen, fifteen. I wonder where Roy years. Green fit into that number there because he was a pretty good player too back in his yeah, day. Yeah, Roy Green's a little before my time. Yeah, he he was a Cardinal forever, and again, one of my teammates. Well, in Roy Green, five hundred sixty catches, nine thousand yards, sixty six touchdowns. See? Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was a teammate of mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which In you Philly. remember too. I remember too. Two yeah. two Pro Bowls, two all pros for him. Two all pros. Yeah. Two Pro Bowls, two all pros. Back to back years with the Cardinals, or I guess that would be the Yeah, that would be the Cardinals in the eighty three and eighty four. See, the thing that people talk about with me with the Pro Bowl, you know, the, with the whole was Hall that of the Fame Saint thing. Louis, yeah, St. Louis I was, Cardinals. I never so. made all pro one time. I was first alter. I was a first, I was a back, I was a second team all pro. I never made all pro. Um, had two Pro Bowls, but you know my longevity is there. But I never led the league in punting. You know, there's there's a lot of things that you not have even to, net. You never did a net. net. Uh, no, I led the NFC in net punting one year. But yeah, so there's a lot of things that I did good. But you know, it wasn't time like these guys that are Hall of Fame guys. These are guys like you said, seven time All Pro, seven time Pro Bowl. These are kinds of guys that are just like yeah. you know, this legit. Correct. You know what I'm saying? All right, Lance, I have a really funny story from lunch I want to give you, but why don't we get Charlie's conspiratorial nonsense out of the way first? Oh yeah, are all the lines working by the well, way? Unfortunately, okay. that that's the answer, Jeff. Unfortunately, <laughs> I actually I thought he reached his tally for this week. No, so, he's I just mean, in it pains one. me. It, you didn't one. bring him up. I wasn't going to get to the phone call. I'll be flat out <laughs> honest with the audience, but we'll just put him on out of uh, the goodness of our heart. Apparently today, Charlie, welcome aboard, Charlie. Charlie my my. my, my <laughs> Jeff, you're funny. Hi, Charlie. <laughs> My finger is hovering over the hey, drop Lance. button. So, yeah. so thanks for uh, putting me on, Lance. I appreciate it. Yeah, hey, you're very uh, welcome. I'm in a slightly <laughs> giving mood. What's up, yeah. Charlie? I haven't talked to you in a while, so I guess it's okay. Yeah, Jeff. I, hey, I, what do you do? Do you get lost in a sand sand uh, pit somewhere in the golf course? It's called it's called a sand trap, by the way. Yeah, so don't call trap. it a sand pit. This isn't like we're not throwing the hammer or throwing shot puts. Okay, it's a sand <laughs> trap. Get it right before you're going to nail on me. Go ahead. All right. Look, I got a bold prediction for you. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, All right? Wait, we're out of need. got something to do we with Daniel write this Jones, down. I guarantee John is, you. There's no pins Roy, in the office. Roy, Roy M., right, from Nigeria, will be our right tackle before this season is over. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So what, 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 you can't what, even let's, pronounce let's his name. Something. Can he pronounce you. his name? Do you just pick like a random international player every year and then claim he's going <laughs> to no. do something good? Because it seems like that's what you do. Yep. No, this guy's incredible, man. This guy. And is you wonder be a why beast. people don't like you, Charlie. 
is really <laughs> with that type of bold prediction. That isn't that shouldn't even be in this it's in the category of bold. All right. That we'll is ridiculous. Charlie, how is he incredible, by the way? Just out of curiosity, how much have you actually spent around Roy and Bedica and have well, no, taught him I his fundamentals? Uh, he played four snaps. That's what I'm asking him. How can he describe somebody as incredible because who barely has been, been on a football some field? Some of the beat writers have said he oh. looks incredible for being a guy who's only played football. Okay, so Charlie, so now once. we've gotten. You know what? I'm glad. I'm glad we took your phone call today. Okay? <laughs> we have finally. Uh, we you asked for it, Charlie. No, no. no, I'm sorry. <laughs> We're going to have to delay John's story a little bit. Okay, here we go. Okay? Oh, what Charlie has here just proven go. to the audience, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you out there in Giants <laughs> Radio Land, okay? He has just proven to you that he regurgitates uh, yes. what others produce, say, and write. And then no, flips it to be I, his I own. He does not have an original thought. He does not study film. And you are now hearing the version of somebody else's perspective through the mouth of Charlie. All right, Lance, we got to the bottom of him. Have you even looked at him? No, I you don't, haven't. I don't call a player incredible who has yet to get into By the one way, regular just, season just, game. Just, just for so the record, time out, time out, time out, time out. Do you know Let how much know. film there is on Roy and Bethica, Charlie? Do you know how much film there is? There's film. I saw some film on them, so. The only look film at it. that's readily accessible is the literal four <laughs> snaps he took at the end of the first preseason game. Uh, so, well, unless you have playing, a friend that's filming weekend. him training football in like Nigeria or Arizona, that's the only game film that exists. On He'll be Roy playing Sunday. Watch him. Okay, another thing. I just heard that Ryzen John just got cut by Chicago. So I can't believe he's not starting a tight end somewhere, Charlie. I'm shocked. <laughs> he might be back with the Giants. Who knows? Another international just... star sure. special from Charlie in Portland, Maine. <laughs> All right. Now, let me from just say Canada. one thing about, about Daniel Jones' surgery. Oh, my God. I said so he had surgery, you. right? But let yeah, me say this. Trouble. You said he had to have surgery for his neck injury, which he didn't. But okay, well, go let ahead. me let me let me. He say put Annika on the I, scar from what I, am, I understand. I, my yeah. finger, Jeff. He should have. Jeff, yeah. where's my finger? It's on the dump. It's on the dump. No, I'm let hovering. Me say this, John. I've I've talked to. I have a friend who's a back surgeon, oh, and I've also looked it up. In that, actually, you do go through the front of the neck to get take care of discs to take one or more discs out. Because if you do it in the back, there's more nerve endings and there's harder muscles in the back. So you do go through the front. Just to let you know, that could have been an incision for that purpose. Charlie, when are your office hours? I don't. Why don't you let everybody I know? I, you know can't, I, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. <laughs> and what does it matter? Is he on the field right now? Yes. Uh, if, if he had surgery, allegedly, if he did, it was early in the year. He's recovered. Everything's fine. So what is the big deal? Right? Move on. The season can't start soon enough, people. If he had I mean, spinal really fusion surgery, really he wouldn't have been running around and lifting weights in January. <laughs> exactly. Let's maybe, move past maybe, You know what? Maybe the scar oh, is from gosh, he wanted to get his man. voice deeper so he could you know, yell <laughs> the signals out further. Vocal surgery? Yeah, maybe that's what it was, John. Actually, Daniel Jones is going to be in the upcoming Spider-Man movie. That was what the surgery was about. They're going to attach this apparatus, <laughs> apparently, to his front and his back. Oh, it's a, a new character they're working on. I knew that call was going to come in. Uh, hey. You asked for it. Hey, I just what you get. to get done for the week. Well, listen, some of us just avoid it. We don't get it out of the way. We just avoid it. Right, and by the way, Pearson, you'll love this story too. So real quick before you say goodbye. So as you guys all well know, Paul Dottino knows, knows nothing about golf, right? Zero. Oh, yeah. z- and by this story, you really know he knows nothing 0. about golf. 0. So Jeff made the point because he was watching his, while he was eating lunch, he's watching the amateurs going on at Ridgewood because that's what he does. He just watches golf all day. I'm not the only so, one. No, he's he is not. That's true, producer. Um, so, Jeff's talking about if these guys really want to shave strokes off their game, they should practice their putting. Yeah. And yeah. Paul goes, "Well, why don't they?" And me and Jeff are like, "Well, it's more fun to go to the driving range and you know it's, whack balls, whack balls, three hundred yards, yards. It's more yeah. Fun. So Paul goes, I, "I don't understand that. Isn't it really hard after you hit the balls with the driver two hundred fifty yards to go out there and find them and bring them back to hit them again?" <laughs> He legitimately said, I would get so tired because I don't know where the ball goes. It goes right. It goes left. It goes straight. I got to go take shit. I got to go find all those balls. It would be, it would be just, I would be exhausted. 
I'd love to see Paul walking out there doing his Paul well, walk. And we well, looked at it. We all looked at him and like. First of all, Jeff and I let laugh for like five minutes. And then we're like, haven't you at least seen the movie where the guy's driving around in like the little cart collecting the balls? And then I said, well, Paul, let me ask you something. If you're going to retrieve all your balls at the range, what are the other people doing when they're trying to hit their golf balls? He goes, yeah. He's trying to duck them. He's, yeah. like, He's yeah. like, yeah, I guess you could really get hurt if you did that. Huh? I'm like, oh, yeah, you could. <laughs> All right. Note to self. Do not mention uh, golf to, to Paul ever again. Dude, Jeff and I were dying. Oh, my gosh. Was it funny? I, he, he, was, he was legitimately, he was serious now. I mean, he was he was dead serious. Oh no, he, no, yeah, he yes. he had so no this, idea this, that we're not joking around here. No, he was dead serious. serious. Like yeah. like yeah, this is not us making this story yep. up. This is a hundred percent true. I'm just picturing him running around this, the, <laughs> the driving range, ducking right, balls. Aim for the Italian guy. <laughs> <laughs> I could just see oregano uh, coming all over me. It was all over the place. <laughs> All these specks of oregano. Look at all this stuff. Dodging you know, you know who Datino is? Datino is the gopher in Caddyshack. That's what he, he is. is. Yeah, you know? that's right. That's what he is. Yeah. yeah. And so. something tells me he didn't see Caddyshack either. No, so he may not even not. understand no, that. Absolutely. I don't know. Not. Tin no. Cup? You think he saw Tin Cup? No, not even no, close. Not even no, Tin Cup? Nope. Knew it was a golf movie. Said, nope, I'm not going to watch happy it. Happy Gilmore? No, not Happy Gilmore. Correct. Either, yeah, Happy no. Gilmore. I mean, you'd think you'd catch on eventually. Well, were there, were there any golf movies from like the 60s or 70s, Jeff, that, Jeff, that he might have saw when he was a kid? I don't think that they made golf movies back then, did they? Or is it more know. like, I don't think so. I, I think, think it's think more so. of the yeah. 80s and on. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember yeah, there being Gilmore, an old school golf movie. Tin Cup was yeah. really the first one, right? That I can remember. Or Caddyshack. Well, there was, was the, 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 the legend. Caddyshack. Yeah, like the legend of Bagger Vance with <laughs> Will Smith and Matt Damon, but yeah. that was that was, a that was 2000. First. But yeah. that, that's like an old school story. Greatest game ever played, right? Was that one? That's another... Yeah, old school story, but it made in the two thousands. But Tin Cup was a good one. Tin Cup. Oh, was a Tin really Cup's good great. One. Oh, yeah. Costner was Tin Costner? Cup. Costner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 Tin Cup. Yeah. Yep. But Happy Gilmore is even better. I love Happy Gilmore. Is well, like I mean, my but Caddyshack. There's a special place for Caddyshack. I actually though. think I saw the the caddy from Happy Gilmore at the U.S. Amateur yesterday. I had a, it was a guy with the just hair all over the place, a tie dye shirt, and holding like six beers. I thought it was him. Was he eating a little wafer that he had like picked up off the ground? Uh, no. <laughs> No, but he had something smoking out of his mouth. I don't know what that was. (laughs) Was he taking a bath in like a local lake or something too? (laughs) It smelled like a skunk for some reason. I don't know what it was. was Well, they must have not shot that scene yet. That's why. So he had to get up to that to clean it. Grizzly Adams did have a beard. Go ahead. (laughs) That'll wrap things up for us. Thank God. We did not cover on today's edition. Everything. It was was a great show. Good stuff. Yeah. Everything in between. Whenever we can make fun of Paul, it's always been a good show, right? Sure. Yes, no. And Charlie, too. And Charlie. I was going to say, that would have been the icing on the cake. (laughs) All right. Well, we will be back up and running somehow at 2 p.m. Eastern on Friday for the next edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Considering we're distracted, let's get a few reads in here before we lock up shop. (laughs) Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season in addition to ticket savings. Membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seat starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925, or you can visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Also, don't miss your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available. You can place a deposit for individual games as well. Call 888-NYG-1925 or you can visit Giants.com slash suites for this one for more information. For John Schmoke and Jeff Fiegels, I'm Lance Meadows. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest and we'll speak to you on Friday right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.